Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, October 4th. Look, again, my microphone just doesn't want to cooperate, but to be honest, that's the only thing that didn't want to cooperate going into today's podcast because I mentioned yesterday we were going to be treated to some awesome quarterfinal matches, and boy, were we what a day of tennis we were treated to on the East Coast. It was from like 9 p.m. to 9 a.m. this morning, so I'm sure a lot of you listeners didn't get to check that action. We'll be watching the highlights as soon as you get home, and this is a podcast that'll help you tell you know what highlights you should be watching because there's a lot of tennis to sift through. Obviously, we've got three big events going on, the two ATP 500s, one in Tokyo, one in Beijing, and then obviously the WTA Premier Mandatory event in Beijing, and again, that's what I'm going to be doing. Doing today, breaking down the results from yesterday's matches on today's podcast, previewing this weekend's matches. We've got, uh, you know, five, six incredible semifinal matches to watch and a lot of world tour finals implications, a lot of heat check guys, you know, who are these, the players we should be taking seriously, what to make of these runs. I'll set the scene for you all. And unfortunately, because of the time difference, again, it's just me on the podcast today. You know, for Beijing, we'll try and figure something different. It's just so difficult with the match. Matches starting at 9 p.m., ending at 9 a.m. We don't want to record at 9 p.m. about the day before's matches, and then by the time you listen to it, there's a brand new days of, a day set of results uh, to follow along with. So, uh, again, apologies for the late start, but with that in mind, the place I need to start today's podcast in Beijing for the WTA Premier Mandatory, where we mentioned we had a loaded set of quarterfinals. Number one seed Ashley Barty versus number seven seed Petra Kvitova. We had number three seed Alina Svitolina versus number, I believe, eight seed Kiki Burtons. On the bottom half of the draw, Caroline Wozniacki versus Alexandrova. And then, of course, the thrilling match of the day, the one everyone had circled. Winners of the last three hardcourt Grand Slam tournaments two of the most promising young talents on the WTA Tour. Of course, I am referring to number four seed Naomi Osaka and number five seed Bianca Andreescu. They were the late match on the day, the 9 a.m. match. So for listeners who got to wake up on the East Coast, maybe catch a little bit of that either at work, and let's be honest, we all sneak watch tennis at work, or you know, before they headed to work, wherever you may be, that match lived up to the hype. And again, in the match, Naomi Osaka... 5-7-6-3-6-4 winner over Andrescu. Now, during the match, I mean, talk about swings of momentum. Andrescu had Osaka down multiple breaks in, or down a break in multiple sets. You know, Naomi Osaka came out with a wave of errors just unlike her, but oh my gosh, if this is the match we're going to be treated to, if this is the new emerging rivalry, sign me up for all of it. I mean, two just incredible shot makers, two people who can throw in with a variety of spins, with paces, with depths, with, you know, different angles, just such incredible shot making. And then beyond that, 
two of the game's best young competitors. I mean, how cool is it to see Bianca Andreescu, who, you know, we forget because she really hasn't lost this year. She's 19 years old, and now with this result, she's up to a live ranking of number four. That'll be a career high for her now. It's, I'm sure she's disappointed to have lost in the quarterfinals, but for Bianca Andreescu, given the run she was on, this is not a bad loss by any means. A three-set loss against what is hopefully going to be your biggest rival in the post-match comments. They both mentioned, uh, hey, let, you know, hopefully we get to do this again sometime because you're awesome and you know, soccer response, no, you're awesome. No, you're awesome. And yeah, that's the truth. They're both really awesome. And hopefully as fans, we get to see this because they seem to bring out the best in each other's games. Watching Osaka claw her way back from down a break, watching her get the break to serve for the match in the third set. I mean, these are the sort of breakthrough moments you need to have in your young career under the biggest guns, under the biggest pressure, the biggest, the brightest lights. And Naomi Osaka delivered today. She is now, she's almost 22 years old. So she is, you know, two years older, a little more experienced than Andrescu at this point. Uh, but I mean, given their recent form, you're going to tell me, you know, I, I, Andrescu is probably the favorite entering the match. So for Naomi Osaka to come off the title she had in Osaka last week, to follow it up here by beating well, I'll say it, the best player on a hard court on the WTA Tour this year in this sort of fashion. Such a huge win for Naomi Osaka. And look, she's going to have a really fun semifinal now against number 16 seed Caroline Wozniacki, who I think I said played Alexandrova. Apologies for that. She played Daria Kastakina and Wozniacki in this match, a 6-3, 7-6 winner now. It's going to be tough for Wozniacki to follow because, you know, Naomi Osaka is not someone you want to give time to. And for Caroline Wozniacki, obviously, um, she, 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 I mean, so solid. Everyone knows what she's capable of, but she doesn't have a real weapon to turn to to get free, easy points against Osaka. A lot of her match predicated on, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts is that's what she wants to do. And if Osaka shows what she did in the first half against Andrescu of the first set, spraying a bunch of balls, a bunch of airs, Wozniacki could race out to a lead. Plus for Osaka, it's the emotional hangover. It's, I got myself so pumped for this Andrescu match. And, you know, not that Caroline Wozniacki is a come down, but it's certainly not the same circumstances. And you look at their career head-to-heads heading into this, they've played twice before Wozniacki, 2-0 in both matches, although the last one happened in 2017, where Wozniacki beat Osaka 2-6 in 2016 in a Tokyo final. Wozniacki beat Osaka 5-3. So obviously the circumstances have changed a lot since those last two matchups. You talk about Naomi Osaka, two major championships since they last played. Obviously, she's the one coming in in better form, uh, objectively, with all due respect to Caroline Wozniacki. So it's going to be a tough match for uh, Wozniacki. I think it's going to be a tough match for Osaka because, again, the emotional hangover physically to get back on the court and know you have Caroline Wozniacki as your next challenge. I mean, that just adds to the mental strain. But if that's part one of the weekend, again... I'm all in on this Beijing tournament, and you look at the top half of the draw, I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. As we said, Ashley Barty, 4-6, 6-4, 6-3 over Petra Kvitova. I mean, sure, Osaka and Andres are going to get a lot of headlines because they're the young names, but Ashley Barty's 23 years old. She won a Grand Slam this year. Yeah, she stumbled a little bit post-Wimbledon. I think she still made the round of 16 at the U.S. Open. But, you know, for her, uh, we expected such great things given her consistency through the first, you know, two-thirds, three-fourths of the year. So for her to come back here, see, you know, seeing these other top players also make runs and get back-to-back three-set wins, especially to knock off of Petra Kvitova, who comes into this tournament in great form, had just knocked off Belinda Bencic 3-3. Three and three. 
I mean, it's a testament to Barty's mental wherewithal. It's a testament to the fact that she is so solid. She can just do so many different things on a tennis court to hurt you. I had Matt Zemek on a, it was either a mini break or a great shot podcast. Feels like months ago. It was probably only like four weeks ago um, where he talked about to call Ashley Barty the female Roger Federer is not a fair comparison for anyone to make. But the way she approaches the game, the styles, the, the multiple angles, the drives, the moving forward, the backhand slice, stylistically, she attacks opponents in very similar ways. And it's it's really fun to watch her play. So she rounds into this final again on the bottom half. It's Osaka Wozniak on the top. Ashley Barty's going to play number eight seed Kiki Bertens, 7-6, 6-2 winner over the number three seed Svitolina. You talk about for Bertens. Huge win for her, and you look at in the race now to the ATP, uh, ATP to the WTA finals. Osaka, by the way, with her win, clinches a spot, so she's now officially making the cut. But those last three spots: Petra Kvitova, forty-four hundred and one points; Alina Svitolina, thirty-nine hundred ninety-five; Serena Williams, thirty-nine hundred thirty-five; Kiki Burton's now thirty-eight hundred seventy. So she is on the cusp of that number eight spot, and you look at her; she is over one hundred sixty-five points above number ten. Belinda Bencic, with all due respect to show content, number 11, that 900-point dip between 10 and 11 really is significant. But, I mean, Svitolina, Kvitova, Burton's Bencic all made runs in this tournament. Kvitova obviously knocked off Bencic, so big for her. Burton's knocks off Svitolina, a player ahead of her. I mean, these are the sort of implications we see. This is why, down the home stretch, these players are still locked in. I mean, they have a lot to play for. And so for Kiki Burton's to get this win, to give her herself a chance to you know make the finals of a premier mandatory take on Ashley Barty, that's not only a huge moment for any you know player in their career, but there's huge implications to this season. She wants to be in that WTA finals paycheck aside. You want to be one of the best eight players on the season. You want that sort of uh, honor. You want that to, you know, it's a testament to how successful she's been. So really big of her, uh, really big result for her here. And again, Barty versus Burton's Osaka versus Wozniacki. Sign me up for all of that tennis this weekend. So those are the matches to watch. And I'll say, I'll throw in one last stat. Ashley Barty, 4-0 all-time against Kiki Burton. She beat her in 2014 in a final. She beat her in 2018 Canadian Masters quarterfinals, 3-1. This year in the Sydney semifinals, Barty was a 6-7, 6-4, 7-5 winner. And then at the Miami Masters, Barty, 4-6, 6-3, 6-2. So two three-set wins over Burton's this year. Given that Barty's coming in, having just played two three-set matches, you wonder physically how she's feeling. But what these results tell me is it should be a close, exciting match. Um, Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. With that in mind, let's switch to the men because we have uh, two, as I mentioned, ATP 500 events going on right now uh, in Asia, one of them actually in Beijing as well. And we'll start there because we have the top four seeds of the tournament all making these semifinals. And again, what a time to be in Beijing and be a fan of tennis. I mean, you are going to see if uh, I'm not saying if you're on the East Coast, make that 12. You know, by the time you get there, it might be Championship Sunday, given how the time difference is and how long of a flight that is. 
but I'm certainly going to be all in. I'm going to be there mentally, right? I'm going to be tuned in to Beijing all weekend long because it's really a dream matchup for us. Let's start with the day's results. Dominic team on top of the draw, 6-2-7-6 over Andy Murray, ending his run here. Now, I talked a lot about Murray yesterday, so I'll save you guys an, another rant. We can save him for another time. But Dominic Team just a little more fire. With all due respect to Peratini, who's got a ton of firepower, Dominic Team just hurts you in a more consistent, you know, bludgeoning way. He's going to hit these huge balls. If you give him a second of time, you're now running, uh, you know, side to side to side to side. And I thought it took Murray a second to adjust to that sort of pace, to that sort of, you know, level of play. And he put together a really good second set. Look, he made 67% of his first serves, won 68% of those points. But he went 9 of 25 on the second serve. Team was teeing off on those moments. You could tell Andy not as confident with that second serve was leaving them to hang. And when he was having to play from behind, that's when team really dominated. But for Dominic Team, you know, he makes 66% of his first serves, wins 87% of those points. Murray did a good job attacking his second serve as well. It held him to 8 of 24. He was able to put some pressure on team in those moments. But for Dominic team, earns nine break points, converts three of them. I mean, that again, that's enough to get the job done. And for team now, you, you know, you talk about his recent run of form. Uh, he, he did okay, you know, since Wimbledon. You look at his result, uh, really questionable result in Montreal where he lost to, you know, he beat Shapovalov in three. He beat Chilich in three. Oh, I should also say he won in Austria uh, post-Wimbledon. But he, lo- I sh- all right, so we'll go just since Wimbledon. Loses to Query first round, then loses quarterfinals six and six to Andre Rublev in Hamburg. Goes to Austria, wins the tournament there, but his best win in terms of rankings, number fifty six, Lorenzo Sinego during that run. Fine, you know, makes the quarterfinals at the Rogers Cup, but lost a really strange match to Daniil Medvedev six one six three. Doesn't play in Cincinnati, ends up pulling out because he's sick. Goes to the U.S. Open, loses first round there. So again, not a great result for him. But then slowly but sure, uh, loses, I should say, also, I believe, in Davis Cup. I, I think that's what this is. I can't really tell. Uh, three and two to Emil Rusevori. I don't know if that's Davis Cup. That might have just been an exhibition, but still. And then he goes to Labor Cup, loses to Taylor Fritz the way he did. I mean, he needed this run. And so for team, he gets a good win over Gasquet, a good win over Zhang, a good win over Murray. Not that these guys are all top, you know. 20 players anymore, but it, it's it's a result you need, and you look for him now in the live rankings as well. He's at number five, but in the race to the year-end finals, you know, he hasn't clinched his spot yet, but he is in a commanding number five position, and I think this really helps him out. He should, I, I, barring, you know, Goffin or Zirov winning the next two Masters events, he looks pretty comfortable uh, to make the year-end finals, which for him, again, that's a win for Dominic Team. and in his semifinal match, he has another guy who Talk about needing these points. Karen Khachanov, also known as Karen Kiachanov, a 3-6-6-3-6-1 winner over number six seed Fabio Fognini. Uh, for Khachanov, again, we talked about this last time, but he's got <clears throat> excuse me, he's got a Paris Masters title to defend um, in a couple of weeks. And so obviously rankings-wise, he needs as many points as he can rack up now. And sure, he sits in the live rankings number nine. Uh, but as I mentioned yesterday, you look at the ATP race, he was number 20 coming into the, the quarterfinal round. With this win, he's up to number 17. So even if he doesn't defend those Masters points fully uh, to get the, you know, an ATP 500 seven, semifinal under your belt, it helps you stay in that top 20 range, not dip too much lower if he's, you know only makes, let's say, the round of 16 or the quarterfinal. 
finals in pairs. So huge result for him. And again, if, if I told you going into the week that we were going to get a Kachanov team uh, semifinal, you'd have been all in for that. And so for Hachanov, by the way, congratulations, a new father. Um, All-time against Dominic team, they're 1-1. One one. They've played at the Paris Masters semifinals last year where Hachanov, 4-1 winner. And then this year, Roland Garros quarterfinals where Dominic team really handily defeated him, 6-2, 6-4, 6-2. So going to be interesting. Obviously, conditions more like Paris than um, like France, but... It's going to be a fun match. I, I I don't think either of these guys come in particularly with particularly strong enough form that you'd say one is a definitive favorite. But you have to like the way the physicality of Hachanov matches up with Dominic team, even though he can hit the ball so hard. You know, with Hachanov's length, with the fact that he moves really well for someone his size, the fact that he can physically impose himself during a match. It's going to be a really high-quality tennis match, so I'm very much looking forward um, to that one. But you look at the bottom half of the draw, again, really good tennis uh, on the bottom because this is, if we talk about Osaka and Drescu on the women's side, neither of these guys have won grand slams, but in terms of it should Djokovic, Federer, Nadal, and I'm going to throw Murray in there just because, but really those first three ever re- uh, release their hold on the, the top positions I mean, a lot of people are going to be looking at, uh, we, well, they're going to be looking at team, obviously, and Hachanov as well, but they're going to be looking at number three seed, Stefano Tsitsipas, a 7-6-3 winner over John Isner, and the person he's playing, number two seed, Alex Virev, a 7-6-6-2 winner over Sam Query. Now, it feels like these guys really haven't played that often, and in truth, they haven't because Tsitsipas has only been on the tour for so long, but they played three times in their careers already uh, at the City Open last year in the semifinals here of a 2-4 and four winner. The, uh, the next week, obviously, we remember Tsitsipas making that final in Canada. Well, along the way, he knocked off Zverev 3-6-7-6-6-4, um, and then they played this year on the clay in Spain. Tsitsipas is 7-5-3-6-6-2 winner. I mean, look, these guys were just Davis Cup teammates, and there was a lot of talk, you know, did do these guys really like each other? Was there a rivalry beforehand? Well, now they, they've got the Labor Cup fresh in their mind, and it's clear they're a little more buddy-buddy than they used to be. But with that in mind, this is going to be a showdown. And look, Alex Virev, we'll start with him. He seems to have found confidence since Labor Cup. He's not double faulting as often. He's making way more first serves. He's playing more aggressively, more confidently, not afraid to move forward, not afraid to go big from the baseline down the line, not just play, you know, the, the I would call him the best man's push ever. He's the best push ever to live with those physical tools that he can, you know, move the way he does. Obviously so impressive, but he's found confidence and so is Stefano Tsitsipas, who's really struggled since Wimbledon. He's played so many matches this year, you know, I think around Wimbledon, it was him, Medvedev, Nadal, Djokovic, Federer, the definitive top five on tour in terms of wins. Now, obviously, Medvedev's you know gone through the roof since then, as well as those other guys. So the gaps widened a little bit. But, I mean, Stefano Tsitsipas, another guy who has found confidence this week, who's gotten good wins over the Deuce, Dusan Galayevich, over Basilevsky, now over John Isner, 7-6-6-3. I mean, both of these guys are playing the sort of tennis you would want heading into this match, and hopefully we get a barn burner. Hopefully we get a three-set. You like the way Zverev is going to be able to physically hang with Tsitsipas when Tsitsipas tries to put pressure on him. Zverev so adept at hitting passing shots on the move. I also think Zverev, the way he's serving, put pressure on that Tsitsipas backhand. You know, Zverev will go backhand to backhand with anyone and look at that advantage. But, you know, I think for Tsitsipas, the backhand down line is going to be huge because if you can attack the Alex Zverev forehand, get him moving a little bit, that's when that ball hangs a little short. And then Tsitsipas 
easy pass gets a forehand to come in behind. So going to be, again, really, really even match, really well killed. Hopefully it gets a little aggressive. The rivalry juices come out. We'd love to see that. Uh, I'd love a little drop shot hit right at him combo right out of the start just so we really get the juices flowing. Um, but, yeah, and, again, Team Hachanov, Kiachanov, Tsitsipas, Zverev, that's what it's all about. A really, really fun weekend in Beijing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And with that in mind, just one more tournament I want to talk about real quick. Obviously, the ATP 500 in Tokyo. Um, in Tokyo, excuse me. Uh, look, again, you want high-quality tennis? This is the place to turn. Top of the draw, Novak Djokovic, 1-2 and two over Luka Pui. Nothing to really talk about there. David Goffin, 2-2 two and two over Hyun Chung. Uh, Chung a little gassed from his first two matches, but again, not really much to talk about there. But for Djokovic, Goffin, uh, career head-to-head, Djokovic 6-1 and one against Goffin all-time. Goffin's one win coming on clay in 2017. Uh, they played earlier this year at in the Wimbledon quarterfinals. Djokovic took Goffin to the cleaners, 6-4, 6-0, 6-2. But Goffin's been playing really well. And it, it's not that Djokovic, Djokovic has looked plenty healthy, by the way, this week. But we really haven't seen Djokovic tested in the toughest ways yet. I mean, uh, Soida, Sida, sorry, Joe Sida played well in that round of 16 match, but we didn't really have much for him yesterday. So really fun match. Really, ba- you know, the aesthetics of the baseline battles, obviously, we're all in on. And then on the bottom half of the draw, the big man himself, Riley Opelka, 6-3, 6-3 over Uchiyama. He makes an ATP 500 semifinal. Is Atlanta, a t- I think Atlanta's a 250, and I know he made the semifinals there. So I believe this is the first 500 semifinal of his career. Um a huge moment for Riley. I mean, you look at him now in the live rankings as well. Riley Opelka, number 35 in the ATP race. He's been a top 40 player this year, and that seems fair. You look at him in the live rankings. He's now at number 40. I mean, he had this ranking, and that's half the battle, right? He goes from just breaking the top 100 at the end of last season to now breaking the top 50 uh, in that solid top 50 range. He's 22 years old, but given how, how tall he is, that sounds stupid. You you don't expect someone to fully understand their body when they're that tall till maybe 23, 24, especially when you look at the litmus test before, you know, a John Isner, uh, an Evo Karlovich, those guys still, you know, are growing into their body. You, you, Isner, the most direct one, I think Opelka is a little bit more physically developed than Isner was at age 22. He was just coming out of Georgia at that time, but still the upside for Opelka, I continue to say, I think his serve's only going to get better. And so given that he's already at a top 40 level with everything else, it's just, I don't want to get into this take now, but he's a guy to circle 100% if you are a fan. Not that anyone didn't have him circled, but I think he is the guy to circle in young American men's tennis just because his upside, oh, so tremendous. Um, But with that in mind, he's going to take on John Millman, uh, who needed these results. A qualifier here gets a three-set win over Manorino in the first round, then knocks off Lloyd Harris, now Taro Daniels, 6-4-6-0. Millman and Opelka, this is going to be their first professional career matchup, but for Millman real quick, I mean, he's now number 66 in the ATP live rankings. I I believe at one point a couple weeks ago, he fell into the 70-80s range. 
I mean, that's huge. You're now on the cusp of getting into Masters events, right? You get to play qualifying at the beginning of the year. You get to do all of these things. Um, and you have an ATP 500 semifinal to sit on throughout all of next season. So huge result for him, and it sets up a really fantastic weekend of tennis. And if you've missed anything from this week, you want to catch up on the action. You want you know to just be up to date as you're watching these events go on. Be sure to check out our website, CrackedRackets.com, where you can find all of this week's Mini Breaks podcast. You can find our Great Shot podcast. You can find the Cracked Interviews podcast, where we've had Keegan Smith, Estella Perez, Somariba, Bethany Maddox, Sands. We had Coco Vandeweghe uh, and Vicky Duval on the Mini Break earlier this week. Should throw that one in there. And then again, you know the spectrum by now. College players, professional players. I promise you can find an interview you will like. On I mean, we mentioned Riley Opel. He's a former Cracked Interviews guest. So go check out all of those podcasts and. Please like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends, steal their phones, just give it a quick subscribe. It's a five-second process. They won't even notice, uh, and they'll appreciate it when they have some great tennis content coming your way. And, of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at Cracked Rackets is the place to find us. But with that in mind... Can't end the week without giving a huge shout-out to the super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who have a f***ing editing job to do and have had to deal with my non-cooperating microphone. We'll go with, uh, I won't make them do an extra edit there and swear again, but I apologize to you boys. Hopefully we'll have it all uh, smoothened out again by the start of next week. But for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.